turn to Galatians 6, verse 9. I'm going to pray over myself in this service. Father, I thank you for the, your children, each one of us that are here. And I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that your word is truth. Your word is the plumb line. Everything that we do, everything that we operate on, everything that we are connected to must line up with your word. And so, Father, I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body, and I thank you, God, that this word, this seed, falls on good ground, good soil, and it will bring forth a mighty harvest. God, I just ask you to bless each person supernaturally as they hear the word and become doers of the word. I thank you as we receive communion this morning. Father, we receive healing. We receive restoration. There's so much that is received during communion. And as we hear the word this morning, and, pre and prepare ourselves to receive communion, Father. I'm asking, God, that there be a spirit of revival in each one of us, that there be a mighty outpouring of your spirit and areas in our lives that need to change or that we desire to see different. My prayer is that this word, this seed, will teach each one of us permeate each one of us in the places where it needs to be ministered. And I thank you, Father God, that you are all powerful and Holy Spirit, you know. You know each one of us. You know what we need. You know what we need to hear. You know what we need to change. You know what we need to develop. So I'm calling upon you as teacher, counselor, this morning, teach the word through me. Teach the word to each one of us. And everyone said amen. I don't know what we do without the Holy Spirit. I don't know what people do that, that don't believe. Thank you, Father. All right. I'm going to give the nugget. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. If you want to title this, Pastor titled this sermon, The Anchors of Life. He asked me what, what was the title or something like that last night. I said, I don't know. I usually tell people to name it. It's interesting this week. I. Um, had a conversation with a woman that um, that doesn't know a lot of word. I want to put, you know, she's she's not a baby Christian, but she has never gone deep into the word, and so <laughs> we're having a conversation, and she said, well that person's a name it and claim it. And I said, well, that's what I am. And um, 
then she had to hang up the phone and I said, we talked later and I said, do you understand what that is? Because, you know, it's gotten a bad rap. And she said, well, no, not really. And I said, well, what all it is is that we see in the Word that the Word says that, I'll use just verse 9 of Galatians here. It's right in front of me. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint and acting nobly and doing right. So we take the Word for where it's at. We do not need to lose heart. We do not need to grow weary and faint in acting nobly. And we take it and we receive it as the word of God and we speak it forth. Like greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so as I took the time to explain to her, and I think a lot of us need to learn how to take the time with people and explain to them why we believe as we do. And especially if they've heard certain things, give them an understanding. You know, don't get upset, just give them an understanding. One thing I've learned that when people say things, I've learned from the time I was born to step right out and say, well, that's what I believe or whatever. So Galatians 6, 9, um, well, I guess that's where we are. So do not be weary. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So, in due season, we can't become weary. We can't allow ourselves to get down on something or just get down on ourselves because how long did Noah take building that ark? Can you imagine? And everybody made fun of him. How would you like to be made fun of for 120 years? You know, last week, um, Mike said he wants, you know, the Bible says we can live to be 120. And I said, I don't really, 100 is good for me. Um, but that's a, that is 100, you know, that's, I'd have to be 50 more, 50 years older to be 120. 50 years older. That's a long time. So, he, he couldn't grow weary. He had to, you know, he got the plans from God and he had to get out there and do what God told him to do. Do you think he got weary at times? Do you think the temptation was there? When people were telling him, you're an idiot. You know, the bigger that thing got, I'm sure even his family, well, we'll get into them later. Okay, in, in life, the environment that you select to be in will ultimately determine your place and position for success or failure. Now I'm going to I'm going to read this again. In life, the environment that you select or choose to be in will ultimately determine your place and position for success or failure. You've got to constantly have goals out there. You've got to. You know, a lot of times kids get out of high school and they don't know what their major is going to be. Well, you know, my answer for that is for a Christian, go fast and pray. God will tell you. He'll show you in his word 
with a, without a shadow of a doubt. And then when you're in school, you won't be miserable. It'll, it'll be exciting because you know that you are doing something to bring forth that that God has planned for you for the rest of your life or until Jesus comes. Amen. There's nothing worse than hating the job that you're working at. But trust me, I've been there. Or disliking, we'll use the word that. So in life, the environment that you select to be in will ultimately determine your place and position for success. The Word of God is very specific in directing believers how to manage their affairs in life. We're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul today and some others. And we've seen certain values that he esteemed that guided his life. Let's turn to Acts 20, 22 through 25. You know, his life was going one way and the Lord stopped him short. God had other plans for his life. Now, you know, I don't think that everybody's going to have that type of a conversion. But it got his attention. Okay, Acts 20, 22 through 25. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me. I'm going to go ahead and read this out of the Amplified. And now you see I am going to Jerusalem. Acts 20, 22. Bound by the Holy Spirit and obligated and compelled by the convictions of my own spirit, not knowing what will befall me. Except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to me in city after city that imprisonment and sufferings await me. So he knew. He knew what God had called him to. And he knew that city after city that there were going to be sufferings that awaited him. But none of these things move me. Neither do I esteem my life dear to myself. If only I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have obtained from which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus faithfully to attest to the good news gospel of God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing and mercy. And now observe I perceive that all of you among whom I have gone in and out proclaiming the kingdom will see my face no more. So he said, the thing I think that is in verse 24, he said, I esteem my life dear to myself, if only I may finish my course, my course with joy. If I may finish my course with joy. That should be our greatest desire in everything we do, that we finish our course with joy. You know, I put on my um, 
web page the other day, rejoice, the scriptures, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul was always talking about rejoicing and joy. How did he get from being persecuted to operating in joy continually? Had to be his walk with God. Amen. Let's look at, um, I shall not be moved. He was steadfast. He had steadfastness in his life. Psalm 16, 8. You know, God knew exactly when we were going to be born. He spoke it into existence before the foundation of the earth. He knew who our parents would be, our earthly parents would be. I, en I enjoy what I do. I enjoy what we do. It would be miserable to be doing this if, without having the joy. There, were, there have been hard times. There have been good times. You know, I remember when we were when God told us to come here and we had to find it on the map and we had one of our Rama professors that we went to a friend's church and he didn't remember us necessarily and he spoke it forth. He said, you're going to a place where there are giants and they don't like you. <laughs> like, um, great, that's all I needed to hear. Um, but that's fine. We were settled that we knew that God had sent to send us. He had told us, I'm sending you to a city whose builder and maker is God. And he told me Sarah herself shall re receive strength, conceive seed. So it didn't matter if there were giants or what there were. Amen. And I still stand on that. This city will be a city or is a city whose builder and maker is God. I don't care what it looks like. It really doesn't bother me what it looks like. God's word said it. He said it. I believe it. And that settles it for me. And then he planted our church, boom, right in the middle of two gangs, at least two. And so he knows what he's doing. Amen? Don't question what he's doing. So Psalm 16, 8. If you question, you get in trouble. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Steadfastness. I will not be moved. Amen. It says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is my right, at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Amplified says the same thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 8. Um, there are four anchors in Paul's life. I forgot this one. Um, number one is the sense of destiny. And so we're in that one right now. I'm sorry. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 8. You know, at least he knew that his ministry, that there were going to be tests and trials and tribulations that he was going to go through. It doesn't seem to bother him when he talks about it. He just knew as a matter of fact, that's how it's going to be. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58, I'm sorry. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. Always know this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. So we have to be steadfast and unmovable. No one can move us off the word. Everything, you'll know that anybody that knows me well enough, don't come telling me some craziness that is not in the word. Because I'm going to be honest with you, it's not there. Show me two or three scriptures that are backing up what you're saying. Because to me, like I said, this is the plumb line. This is it. It's not, it, if it doesn't talk about it here, then it's not God. And there are a lot of things going on today, trust me, that are not of God that are going on and people are falling for it. The other night, um, I can't explain it, but I guess it was a vision and I saw this, it was like a swirling, huge swirling drain and people were in it. Christians, I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about the world. These were Christians that had been totally on fire for the Lord at one time, but they, had, they found themselves, and this, and this is for today, they found themselves in this thing, and they knew I'm not where I was with God before, but I don't know how to get out of this. I just keep going round and round, and I, as I go round, I'm getting further and further and further. It wasn't any major sin. Some of them it was, it, but it was just apathy. I used to be where I was at one time, but I'm not anymore. And it's like this thing is moving so quickly that I don't know how to get out of it, get off of it, so I can get back to where I was and go further with the Lord. This is the state that the majority of the body of Christ is in right now. And we cannot allow ourselves to be in this spot, in this place, any longer. I mean, it was amazing. I'm sitting there watching this thing, and it's like, wow, God. And I smoked to pastor about it. You know, a lot of things you can share, but you're not allowed to share all of it, of what you see. Just like this whole thing that we're having right now in our country. I came home from prayer one night, probably three or four years ago, and I told pastor, Everything I saw, I said, I can't explain it, but this is what I saw. Well, what I saw is what, what our country's going through right now, all the anger and, and all this stuff. But they couldn't get out. They, it was like, I, I don't know how I got myself here, but I can't seem to get myself out. Well, it's the word. You've got to become steadfast. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excellent, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, 
knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. We have to stay in this place, church. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. We cannot. This is how most people, I believe, got into this thing. Blessed, happy, fortunate, is prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. But his delight and desires are in the word of the Lord and in his word, the precepts and instructions, the teachings of God. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. We have to be and stay in these steps. We cannot walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We cannot sit down and relax and rest where scornfuls and, and mockers gather. You know, I'm going to read it out of the, the um, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We cannot listen to the counsel of the ungodly. We cannot stand in the way of sinners. We cannot sit in the seat of the scornful. What is scornful? People that murmur and complain and are negative and, oh my gosh, it just goes on and on and on. There's so much of that in the hour that we live in today. We have a choice. We can be positive or we can be negative. You know, the battery has a positive and a negative, and you'd never want me to try to hook one up because I wouldn't know one from the other. So we see that a sense of destiny was number one in Paul's life. Today, most people don't know who they are, why they're here, or where they're going. It's truth. They don't know who, who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Do you know what that is? That's survival mode. God wants us to live, not just exist. Most people are living in survival mode. And when you live in survival mode, all of a sudden you find yourself in this thing going backwards. We can't. We've continually got to be going forward, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen.
Paul lived for a higher purpose. So he could say of the world's problems, none of these move me. None of these move me. Can you say that there is none of the problems that you deal with move you or are you allowing them to move you? It's a choice. What do we fix our minds on? Do we fix our minds on we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Or do we fix our minds on the problems? What comes out of our mouth? You know, what do, we, what, do we, what do we stick our mind on and think about? There's a doctor that's, her name is Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and it's well worth getting her books or it's well worth reading her material. She understands the brain and how it works. I think it was, oh gosh, the guy that's in Russia. Rick Renner said she is his favorite person to listen to. That's, that's a good compliment coming from him. Number two, a sense of dedication, Romans 12.1. Almost all the stuff when we were at... Um, camp meeting that Adonica taught was from Dr. Carolyn Leaf on the mind. Very powerful, but a lot of, not, a lot of the things that she brought forth came from this woman's teachings. Not, you know, she teaches the word, but different things that she shared about how the mind works. Very interesting. Most of it came from this gal. Romans 12.1 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, unto God, which is your reasonable service. I like what the Amplified says. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So many people spend their lives in church thinking, I'm not receiving much from God here or I don't like what I'm hearing, or whatever. Same old, same old. And many of them go from church to church and blame the pastor, the pastor for lack of fulfillment in their lives. Their goal is not getting from God. I'm sorry, the goal is not getting from God. The goal is giving him more. It's not what am I going to get, it's what, is, what am I giving to him. And when your attitude becomes on somebody needs to feed me con continually, I need to hear whatever. Our goal is to be giving God more. As you give God more, 
it will open up ourselves to receiving from him. But when we get an attitude that I don't like this, I don't like that, and whatever, you know, our mind starts twirling around. Well, we can't go there. The goal is not getting from God. The goal, the goal is giving him more. It's not, do I have all of God, but does God have all of me? Do I have all of God? It's not, do I have all of God, but does God have all of me? For two months, I spent wonderful period of time with the Lord that even though it was horrible on one side, spending that time with him and, and being in the word with him and seeing things that I'd never seen before, according to the word, it was well worth it. To be honest with you, I, I personally was ready to go on and be with him. That's how the, the desire to be and to know more of him became so became so strong. Does God have all of me? What? What am I hanging what am I hanging on to? If you can't take it with you when you leave, then it's not worth having such a hard hold of or letting it have a hold of you. That's the conclusion that I came to. Set, uh, Colossians 2.3. This is the sense of dedication. These are the four things. Anchors in Paul's life. There's not too many people that could go through what he went through. Colossians 2, 3. But we should all be prepared to go through whatever is out there. Because let's face it, church, times are getting harder. More and more people hate us as Christians. Okay? In him, all the treasuries of divine wisdom comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden in him. Thank God. In him are hid the treasures and the wisdoms of knowledge. So we have got to go to him. We've got to find out what these are. Amen. And the Christian already has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We just need to get them. We need to grab them and understand them and operate in them. You know, when you walk in a room, because of your level of the word, the word that you've heard year after year after year, when you walk in that room, you automatically have authority in that room. I don't know if you understand that. Wherever you are, you automatically have authority in the spirit realm in that room. So if there's something going on that's not of God or that's, that's off, you have the authority to bind it and command it to cease.
Ephesians 1.3. You are a ambassador. You're more than a conqueror. You're a peculiar people. Amen. When you walk in a room, you're an ambassador of Jesus. You say, well, I don't feel like it. Doesn't matter what you feel like. It's what the word says. Amen. I mean, God has given us his authority here on this earth. The sad thing is the Christians don't know who they are and they've allowed the enemy to take, to literally take America. And we can't allow it, any more of it to be taken. Ephesians 1.3 Many blessings, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit blessing and in the heavenly realm. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you and I with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we've already been blessed with all the blessings that there are to give. The Bible says God loads you down daily with benefits. God, open our eyes to what you're loading us down daily to. 2 Peter 1.3 I mean, that's powerful. You don't, you know, we... I like when Paul, when they threw him in, in prison that time, and um, they, just, they found out that he was a Roman citizen and decided we're going to let him go. And he said, oh, well, no, no, I want you to come down here. We need to be bold. There are, there are places where we need to be bold. Building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen? For 2 Peter 1.3 For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things. Say that with me. All things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellent virtue. Hallelujah. According as his divine power has given unto us all things. Say that, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So when you come up to a situation or a circumstance that the enemy wants to tempt you in or whatever, no, 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 no. God has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So we have to get more knowledge of him, more understanding of who he is. But when those things come at you, you have the right to say, no, no, I will not stand for this. Number three. Oh, I'm not finished. So the question is not, does God have all of you and me as I laid down dedicate as, as a laid down dedicated sacrifice. Paul said in Romans 12 2 
and let's turn there. When you start thinking about who you are and who he is and, and what he's made you to be in the last days, get excited. I'm sorry, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. The Greek is L-O-G-U-O-S. Logical. The heart, L-O-G-U-A-L, the heart we can do. Christ died for us. Can we live for him? He died for us. It's our, our reasonable, our logical. Look at this. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It says in here, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So as we present our bodies to God, we're actually spiritually worshiping him. Number three, a sense of declaration. This is the third anchor. Second Corinthians 520. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. For, hath, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteousness of God in him. That's powerful. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal as it were through us. We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through him we, not, we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of his righteousness of God, we ought to be approved and acceptable in the right relationship with him by his goodness. Hallelujah. He's placed us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has given, when we think about this, not only did, did he die for us, he went to hell, he overcame Satan and the demons, making a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it for us. And then he went and he presented his blood on the altar. It was, it's, it's, it's a done deal. And unfortunately, so many times we take advantage of that. We don't Dear God, how do I explain this? Holy Spirit, I need your help. 
We aren't sensitive continually to who we are in Christ and what he's done for us. We get so caught up in daily issues and matters. Our thoughts are constantly wandering. You know, when you sit in church, you got to bring your thoughts in. I mean, you've got to literally, like if you were fishing, bring them in. Like if you were going bring, to bring a fish in. You've got to capture, learn how to capture your thoughts now. Not tomorrow, but now. Because the enemy wants you constantly to be thinking about something else. So we're ambassadors for Christ in 2 Timothy 4.2. We're a messenger of the king. Let's look at this. How powerful declaration. Do you declare who you are in Christ? Pastor knows me ever since the day I was saved. I talk to almost everybody that I come in contact with about Jesus because I do not want their blood on me. I, if I have someone on the phone and I'm doing business with them, I ask them, do you go to church? Do you know the Lord? I can't tell you how many people have gotten born again on the phone. Take every opportunity that you have to share Jesus because the Bible says if he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Wow. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, all with long-suffering and, and doctrine. People don't like to be reproved. They don't like to be rebuked. Well, I, I don't have to put up with this stuff. I'll go somewhere else. Read, read Hebrews chapter 12 a while and, and see what God says about his, who children are and who are bastards. Excuse my expression, but that's what the word says. I want to be a child of God. I do not want to be the other. Amen. So let him deal with you as a child. You know, we disciplined our children. There's times when we have to be what it says here. What's the verse again? Verse 2. Reproved, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. It's pretty heavy. People are like, oh, I got to sit through this sermon. Yeah. You need it. Amen. Not this one, but at time. A sense of duty is number four. I believe. I hope. Yeah, it is. A sense of duty. We all have jobs. We perform every day. Why? We get a paycheck. <laughs> if the end of the week came, I remember when California, the state of California, wasn't handing out paychecks for a while. I don't want to tell you who was governor, governor at that time, but it was, they weren't getting, I know because our son worked at Camarillo State Hospital as a psych tech and he wasn't getting a paycheck. How would you like to work all week for weeks and not get a paycheck? That'd be rough. We all like our paycheck. We all like to eat. 
We need to pay our bills. The Bible says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Let's look at Acts 21, 26, and 27. The sad thing is, and this, uh, there are a lot of people out there that want to work, and I am believing that people will have the sense and, and they will be in the spirit on election day. Acts 21, 26, and 27. Then Paul took the man and the next day purifying himself with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until the offering should be offered to every one of them. And when this, I don't think this is the one. Sorry. When the seven days were almost ended, the Jews were, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. That's probably the right one. How would you like it if people got stirred up and riled up because of you, your teaching, and wanted to lay hands on you and do whatever to you? Hey, that means you're pre preaching the right thing, okay? Ezekiel 17, 18. I'm, I'm going to be um, really honest here. The day of clo closet Christians are going to be coming to an end really quick here. Really quick. One of the things that keeps me out of that that drain pipe thing of sinking into that is and I truly believe that is because I'm constantly witnessing out loud about Jesus because the more you talk about Jesus the more you think about him if you're if you're constantly talking about him you're constantly thinking about him so there's certain things I do when I'm stuck at a, at a red light. I pray for the people that are crossing. I pray for the car next to me. I pray for whatever. Keep your mind continually on, on the things of God and everything you do. It's not that hard. Amen. You say, well, you don't work where I do. You don't work where I do. You know, sometimes personally there's, you know, not you guys, but there are times that there are people that do call besides these in the church that need help. And you're like, oh, man, I just want to put the phone on mute and just take a nap. But you can't. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked... Thou shalt shall surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will be required at thy hand. Heavy. That is heavy. 
ah, well, I don't want to tell people about the Lord because what are they going to think about? I don't want to have them stand on Judgment Day and look at me and say, I was with you. I worked with you. I was with you. I knew you, but you didn't tell me about Jesus. Why did you not tell me about the Lord? Or why did you let me go to a church where I never learned about healing or the Holy Ghost or whatever? I heard a story one time about this person that worked for someone and they had the, the I believe the prompting of the Lord continually to talk to them about the Lord and they didn't. And the person came to work and said, oh man, I, had, I became a Jehovah Witness. And this person felt hideous. That person was supposed to be in my church, not going to the Jehovah Witness church. You get, you get mixed up with them, you're gone. I'm just going to be blunt. I studied with them. I know what they do. I know what they believe. When they come to our door, which I don't like to get into it, but when they come, they run. Because I know how to go through the word with them because I studied with them. They only have a few scriptures they stand on. It's all they've got. We're going to be held responsible for those that we work with, come in contact with. It's about sharing Jesus. How are we to live righteous in an unrighteous world? In, in 2 Timothy 3.12, you say, well, this is hard. It might be hard, but it's the truth. Just take it as rebuke or one of the other ones, you know. Take your pick. You can go through a sermon and go, Reprove, rebuke, you know, exhort. In this scripture, in this sermon, we've had all three. I'm speaking to myself too. So, you know, when you're the preacher, you read this thing over several times. Just don't jump out there Sunday morning, you know, read it once, write it once, jump out there and preach it. You're responsible for it. You got it, you eat it, you're, you got to do it. Like I said today, I don't know why there's so many car washes on this street. I'm, wonder, I'm beginning to wonder if they're not a drug dealing situation out there, really. On Sunday morning, you ever wondered when you go by there? Well, like I shared it early this morning, this, there was a truck parked in the, you know, lane across the street. This guy was talking to him. He turned around and jumped right in front of my car and I almost hit him. And I'm like, I had to get my attitude straight really quick because I'm like, I don't want to kill the person on the way to church. Thank God the angel was there. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Wow. If we live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. Does that excite you? Indeed, all who delight in piety and are determined to live a devoted and godly life in Christ Jesus will meet with persecution and will be made to suffer because of their religious stand. And boy, is that coming true. I could go down the list of those that are running for president. We got a liar and we got a communist, a socialist on one side. 
I'm not going to go on the other side. I have my own feelings on that one. But those things, they're personal. If you want to ask me who I'm going to vote for, I'll do it outside the church. Okay. Quality favor. The difference between the impossible and the possible is in a person's determination. The difference between the impossible and the possible lies in a person's determination. How determined are you? Ask yourself this this, this morning, how determined am I? I'm 70. I'm going to be 70 and a half next month. Can you believe that? No, I'm going to be 71 next month. I've, I've gone over the hill of the 70 part. But you know what? I feel closer to God right now than I ever have in my life. That's exciting. There are those who possess such godly character that we need to pay particular attention as to how they lived their individual lives, the lives, their lives exemplified traits that made them find favor in God's sight. We're going to go through three people in this. Noah, Job, and Daniel. Noah, Job, and Daniel. Noah's culture. These such men lived righteously in the face of opposition. All three of them. Noah lived victoriously in the midst of a vile culture. What is culture? It is the ways of thinking, living, and behaving that define a people and, un and underline its achievements. A nation's collective mindset, culture, is the moral habit. So Noah lived virtuously in the midst of a vile culture. It says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Lord be. So think about this. We're already getting very close to the end. They're having earthquakes, huge ones. There was a seven point something one, and I believe in Japan, they had three, I believe three major earthquakes in Japan this last week. They are having earthquakes. I can't remember how many were there in Oklahoma in one day, 10, I believe. They're having them all over. But here he was in the midst of a vile culture Church, we're in the midst of a vile culture, okay? And it is ways of thinking, living, and behaving that define a people. So in the culture, the culture of the United States, I want you to think about how do they live, how do they think, and how do they behave? I would never have thought we would have ever, ever have a socialist running for president. Ever. And he's ahead in, in that 
race, their race, that side. A nation's collective mindset, Noah's culture, Genesis 5 through 9, Genesis 6, 5 through 9. Let's look at this. Since it says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Lord be, we need to understand this a little bit. Because it's heavy. All right. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination and intention of all human thinking was only evil continually. As in the days of Noah. So this is, this is what... We're going to have every imagination and intention of intention of all human thinking was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved at heart. So the man said, I will destroy blot out. So the Lord said, I will destroy blot out and wipe away mankind who I have created from the face of the earth, of the ground. Not only man, but the beasts and the creeping things and the birds of the air. For it grieves me and makes me regretful that I have made them. But Noah found grace, favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the history of the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and righteous man, blameless in his evil generation. Noah walked in habitual fellowship with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We see in Hebrews eleven seven. I am aware of the fact of what the time is, and I'm aware of the fact that this is important. We need to get this because every week that get, goes by is becoming harder and harder and harder. And we need to understand where we are and what our part is in it. 11.7. Prompted by faith, Noah being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. By this, his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness, that relationship of being right into which God puts a person who has faith. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 10-4. The only person on the earth. Can you imagine? How would you like to be the only person on the earth? The wicked one in pride of his continence will not seek, inquire for, and yearn for God. All his thoughts are, are that there is no God, so he never 
punishes. Let's look at this in the King James. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Pitiful. And here he's asked to build an ark. Note, it says his thoughts here. Our thoughts have got to keep God in them continually. I'm telling you, continually. Not just part of the day, but continually. Set your mind on the things of God. Set your mind on the word and think on them continually. And watch what you hear. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I'm going to run through these. God is giving his children revelation, knowledge, and a warning. This is it. People don't want to believe it. They're like, oh, it, no, no, it's going to be a long time off. Three, one through five. But understand this, in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to beat and hard to bear. For peoples will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered lovers of money and aroused by inordinate greed, desire for wealth, proud and arrogant, contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemers, scoffers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy and profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhumane, relentless, admitting of no truth, truce or appearance. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. How far am I going here, honey? I need your help. Huh? To five, um, they will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, truly religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their contact belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. Turn away from them. A lot of churches say, we do not want the Holy Ghost moving here. I'm talking about X, that used to be Pentecostal churches. We do not want the Holy Ghost moving in our midst. That's dangerous. That will never happen here. First John two fifteen. I just read a thing last night about a pastor that got fired for, you know, he what he did was wrong if it's true. But this is what they said. You need I couldn't believe it. I'm reading this article and 
You need to make sure you have another way of making money in case you're, you're sent out of your church. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. You need to make sure you have another profession. First John 2.15. Please keep up with me because this is important. God says this is important now. Now. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Titus 2, 11 and 12. Noah's culture. What did he do? I don't know if you saw that movie that came out about Noah. I don't know why they had four sons, but one four son got, the fourth son got left. I was like, where do they get this stuff? I'm like, how many saw that? Where did they get that he had four sons? I looked at Pastor and I said, this is absolutely bizarre. That's why I don't go look at Christian movies and stuff. Because people have been with me before and I can't handle it when they get it all wrong. So I'd rather just not even go because it's, you know... Um, what did I say? Titus 2, 11 and 12. Come on, old Titus, you're back here behind me. Timothy dies. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness. An irreligion and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled. Am I there? Titus 2, 11 and 12. Oh, I'm sorry. For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, appeared for the deliveries from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irrelation, and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in the present world. Amen. Hallelujah. Daniel. Daniel lived undefiled under a repressive government. We all know about Daniel. Daniel 6, 6 through 10. You know what I did when I read this and, and God told me to do this? I checked my life up with every one of these things. Let me get the pages out for me, okay? We got the same Bible, I believe, sitting here. Okay, Daniel 6. 6 through 10. Help us, Jesus. Then these presidents and satraps came to see together to the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents and kingdoms, the deputies and the satraps, counselors of the governors, have consulted and agreed that the king should establish a royal statue and make a firm decree that whoever shall ask a, a petition of any god or man for 30 days except of you, O king, 
shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the written writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be altered. Well, we know what happened. Um, verse 9, so King Darius signed the, the writing and the decree. 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house he and, and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He got down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and he had, as he had done previously. He said, forget it. I don't care what they say. I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to continue to worship my God no matter what. Well, you know what happened to him. He ended up in the lion den and God took care of him. Daniel 1.8. I did a lot of study on praying on those in authority on you and what it really means over you. Daniel 1.8 But Daniel determined in his heart that he would not defile himself by eating his portion of the king's rich and dainty foods and drinking wine, which he drank. Therefore, he requested that the chief of the eunuchs, that he might not be allowed not to defile himself. So he purposed in his heart. Church, today, when we take communion, there are some things we need to purpose in our heart immediately. Job. Job lived with critical wife and friends, and they were fault finders. How much fun is that? We know all about Job. We know his wife told him to curse God and die. We know his friends came and, and did nothing but, I mean, we, I'm going to give you the scriptures. You can check them at home. Job 2, 7 through 10. Job 13 through 15, 13, 15 through 16a, Job 42, 8. Did you get all of them so far? Okay. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, and Ezekiel 14, 14. Is it Ezekiel 14, 14? Was that the scripture? I didn't see that scripture in here that I gave you yesterday. Let me look at it. Hang on. Yes, I want to read this. Ezekiel 14. Listen to this. This is heavy. Verse 12, the, the word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by committing a trespass and I stretch out my hand against it and break its staff of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast, even if these men, even if these men Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, 
they would save by their own lives, by their righteousness, their uprightness and right standing with me, says the Lord God. If I cause ferocious and evil wild animals to pass through the land and they ravage and bereave it and it becomes desolate so that no man may pass through because of the beast, though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They themselves alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate, laid waste and deserted. Or if I bring a sword upon the land and say, sword, go through the land so that I cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they themselves alone would be delivered. Or if I send pestilence into the land and pour out my wrath upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter, they, but they would but deliver their own lives by their righteousness their moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. Think of this. Because of their righteousness, God said over and over and over again, because of their righteousness, they would be delivered. Everybody else wouldn't, but they would be delivered. God is saying to us in this hour, you will be delivered by your righteousness. I spoke last week on the ten virgins. Five did not have oil in their lamp. When they heard the bridegroom was coming, they were running around trying to get oil from the ones that had it. And they said, no, this is our oil. Our oil. We have got to be ready, church. I'm just, I, I cannot express to you the things that the Lord has said. We've got to be ready. Things are going to become very, very, very heavy this summer. Get ready now. If you're in this thing that's twirling around and you can feel your, that, you, that you've started to go down it, this is the way out. Okay? Daniel prospered. Daniel 6, 28. Job received twofold. Job 42, 12, and 13. You all know the story. Noah, Hebrews 11, 7. Let's look there. I find that very interesting that here in Ezekiel, God speaks of these three men and their righteousness. God, my prayer is that you speak about us like that because of our righteousness, because of our desire to serve you. Put you first place in every area of our lives. Hebrews 11. God, show me. It's like people are crying, but, but I, I don't know how to get back there, God. I don't know how to get back there. It's that easy. If you're one of those today... This is it. It's the communion table. I don't know. God has not given me names. I'll just be very honest. 
prompted by faith, Noah being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. By this, his faith, which retired, relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness, that relation of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. Praise the Lord. In one version of this that I gave you in Ezekiel, it talks about there was a remnant, three people. I remember Brother Hagen saying in the last days, he talked about there will be an election in the last days and only a remnant of word of faith people praying. This is it. The next one is Matthew 5, 10 through 12. And the last one is Romans 14, 12. We must accept Jesus, be willing, obedient, and act upon his word. Accept everything Jesus says. Everything. Be willing, obedient, and act on his word. And pray for everybody you know, if they're backslidden or if they don't know the Lord. Dear God, if a person cannot even serve God now, how in the world are they going to serve God with the mark of the beast out there when they can't get any food? Think about this, church. These are, I know these are heavy thoughts, but they're the truth. I asked, I told Pastor, why do I do, why am I the one that preaches these things? Time is running out. You say, well, I've heard this for years. Well, there comes a day where time runs out. There comes a day when a person dies and they aren't anymore. You know, a person can be perfectly fine one day and be gone the next. All right, baby.